Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. In keeping up with it being SHOT Show themed this week in lieu of my absence of the trade show, I want to bring on people from the firearms industry who are making an impact and seeing their work felt. And today's guest is Brandon Maddox, CEO of Silencer Central, which is a suppressor manufacturer. And I want to read for you about the company before I move into our interview with Brandon. I think you guys will enjoy it. So they started the company about 15 years ago in order to offer customers a more simplified process for safely and legally obtaining a firearm sound suppressor, silencer. Today, they are solely dedicated to Class 3 firearms in the form of silencers. They are always updated on new government regulation for the successful purchase and registration of proper silencers for needs. Because of customers... Silencer Central has grown to become one of the largest Class 3 dealers. They make it their mission to obtain inventory quickly, expediting communication and approvals from the Administrative Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms, and Explosives. We aim to simplify your silencer purchasing experience. And yes, we will largely be focusing on suppressors. Brandon will talk about his involvement in the company, how that all came to be, their location in South Dakota, and why it makes such an attractive place to conduct business from, if they're worried about regulations from the ATF or Congress, how to educate people about suppressors, and what are some exciting products on the pipeline. So here is my conversation with Brandon Maddox, who is the CEO of Silencer Central. Check it out. Brandon, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Good to have you on. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Could you introduce yourself and Introduce my listeners to Silencer Central. Sure. Perfect. So uh, Brandon Maddox, based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm the CEO and the founder of Silencer Central. We started in 2005. Probably the best way to describe our business model is that we are a manufacturer, we're a wholesaler, and a dealer. So the customer has a single point of contact for their suppressor needs. A unique uh, feature of Silencer Central is we're licensed in all 42 states where silencers are lawful. And because we have a federal farms license in our name there, we're able to service customers no matter which state you're in. And another unique uh, sort of uh, call out on Silencer Central is I would say our whole focus is to make the process simple because our our business model understands that's the obstacle why more people don't own suppressors. So we created a system working with the ATF to mail the suppressor to your front door once the ATF approves it, which is very unique. 
How come South Dakota as a backdrop for the company? I know it's very gun friendly. I've interviewed Governor Kristi Noem several times when she was at SHOT Show last year. She said she was looking out for you guys. So so what is the beauty of being in South Dakota and how does it allow you to flourish? Uh, good question. So I would say that my wife's from South Dakota, so that's how I ended up here. I grew up on the East Coast, uh, Southeast, uh, to be honest. Um, so I was sort of uh, brought here as a transplant. Um you know, it, it has been great to work here. I would say one huge benefit that you don't necessarily think about when you're starting a business is there's a lot of people that really love the outdoors. So when you post a job, um, you know, I'm not saying we've struggled in the past to hire people, but we have a huge interest in working in the firearms industry. And so it helps us from um, a recruiting standpoint, people wanting to work here. Um you know, typically we don't have too many firearms related issues at a state level just because, um, you know, it's it's not something the legislators work on. So we don't have to worry about any problems there. Uh, you know, the economic development is here, but the, the hard part is we have no income tax. So it's not like they can really give you a rebate on something you're not paying. Um, but it but it's been a great um, I would say that one of the struggles when you first start when I started in 2005 was credibility. And I would say the politicians have done an excellent job of coming and come to our business that I think that brings credibility to customers when they see, you know, U.S. Senator John Thune, who's one of the highest ranking senators here in our office. Probably, you know, every few years we have our you know Senator rounds. We have our legislator uh, Johnson. And of course, we have um, Christy Noem. And today I have an appointment with our attorney general, Marty Jackley. He's coming by to pick up, you know, I, I guess it's okay for me to say his suppressors <laughs> that he bought. Um, so I think they're very supportive because the the state's very supportive of us. So when the state and the residents of the state are uh, supportive, then the politicians just, uh, it feels like a natural, you know, so sort of an aside. So we were working with another company that's based in Maryland and they came here to work with us and they were shocked that we have like vans with our logo on them. We have billboards. I mean, there's huge, you know, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars for signs on the outside of the building. It's like, we're really proud of what we do. And when, and they were very honest with us that in Maryland, they have to, tone it down like there's you don't know anything about what the business is they have no outward you know projection of what they make it's just completely uh you know nameless and, that, and that's what they have to do because of their environment and i don't think i'd really thought of it that way until someone explained it to me the east coast tends to be like that i think virginia is a little better where i live where suppressors are probably more welcome but yes maryland you have to be really hush hush even though the bruin decision has allowed more people to get their concealed carry you still have to be very almost like a uh, suppressed <laughs> no pun intended yeah. Yeah. supporter of guns in, in maryland yeah it's very tricky over there um but i want to ask you how does your product for example differ from some of your competitors because there are several suppressors suppressor companies in the market so how do you guys differentiate from the others what makes yeah, it so, unique? Yeah, good question. So I mentioned earlier, we're a dealer. So as a dealer, we could sell anything. So if someone calls and says, hey, you know, what's my local dealer? I saw this. I want to get it through you. We're totally on board with that. So we're, you know, we're a dealer. The, the only hard part is uh, typically we have to go through a wholesaler to get that product. And sometimes it could be a little bit of a delay. I mean, we sell a fair enough of other products that we have them on the shelf in most cases if it's popular. But um, from that perspective, we can get someone anything. But the Banish line of products that we have here, um, I would say the differentiator is that it is hunter-focused typically. 
We we started here as an events-based company, and I worked all the gun shows in South Dakota and getting to know the requirements of really the hunter. Hunter first is probably the best way to say it because most people that hunt, you know, do other target shooting and range shooting and things like that, even collectors. But the hunter is more attuned to lighter weight on the end of the barrel. So you'll notice the Banish, almost all of them are 100% titanium because the hunter wants it lighter. Um, a hunter in in this market typically could be a higher volume shooter. So if you're shooting prairie dogs, you might shoot two to 300 rounds in a day. And you want to be able to take that suppressor apart and clean it. You'll see most of our suppressors come apart to clean. Um, and also like decibel reduction. If you talk to someone that's like um, in law enforcement or tactical or military, uh, which is probably the focus of most of our competitors, their goal there is hearing safe and sort of a tactical look. And I think they would agree with that. Whereas I would say our goal is how do we get it as quiet as possible? The hunter wants it to be so quiet that, you know, if they shoot, it doesn't pollute the area for additional, you know, hunting activity while they're there. If they miss, they get an additional follow-up shot. So um, I would say those are the big things. Take apart to clean, lightweight on the end of the barrel, and then also uh, just focused on sound reduction for a major, you know, contributor to the product. Is there more of a, I wouldn't call it a normalization, but is there more of like a campaign happening? I've spoken to some other people in the suppressor world and some of the advocates and others in the industry. I know firearms and ammunition have seen record numbers of purchases. Is the suppressor side starting to see that too? As more people start to get educated about them, kind of shed this misconception of them being used by killers um, they learn about their safety rule, the safety practicalities and, and functions of suppressors. So is it going to be suppressors time soon, maybe in 2023? What do you guys think in terms of an industry outlook? Uh, yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing about silencers is because there's a tax associated with it and because of the laws that regulate are underneath the tax law, we don't probably get as much transparency as we would like as far as who does what when and what's produced. But the ATF does provide snapshots in time when we meet with them or they have public forums, they'll show data. Um, my experience is uh, we've been doing it since 2005, Silencer Central has. Since about 2009, the market, with the exception of during the Trump administration when he first started, it was less. But the market overall has grown at 40% per year for, gosh, like the last 10 or 15 years. And it was even more um, last year just because the ATF launched the 100% e-forms where you can submit paperwork digitally and 95% of what they're getting in now is digital. It just gives the customer the mindset that it's going to be a quicker approval, which in the past has been an obstacle. So um, do I think more people are going to get them? Yes. The interesting insight I have is most people that own a suppressor own two or three. So even though there's 4 million suppressors sort of being made and in existence and either in consumer hands or in the waiting to be approved for consumers, most of those are owned by like a million people because most of the people who use them, they love them so much they end up getting more. Um, but it tells you that it, there's like so 40% of our business is repeats. Uh, so the question I always have is, gosh, how do we get new people? How do we get the people that do love them and tell their friends they love them? But to answer your question, I think we're going to only continue to grow because I've never met anyone that used a suppressor who didn't say, wow, I wish I'd done that 10, 15 years ago and I'm ready to start getting another one. Interesting insight into that, because for me, I, I've had some experience shooting with them and it's a far better experience, whether you're hunting or even target shooting when, when you attach it to obviously your gun um, and do that. And it's weird because you would think this would be normalized here more be when you see like Europe, Europe, this is like second nature to them. If you don't have a suppressor or silencer attached to your gun, you can't go hunting <laughs> yeah. throughout the continent. So it's weird that Europe is ahead of us 
And yet there's still this roadblock to it because people think that it's associated with James Bond or criminal activity when the use in criminal uses is very minuscule. Like it's almost statistically null um, when you look into the to the crime rates and, and whether or not suppressors are involved in crimes um, involving guns. So it's, it's interesting that like European Europeans understand it better than we do. Why do you think that is? Um, I, you know, I think because it's easier to buy them there, um, that it just makes it more accepted, you know, like last, last weekend I worked the Dallas Safari club with my team. And so just having that experience of almost 18 years working a booth and having customers come up, I would say that phase one, uh, was, are these legal? And in some States there's no awareness there. Like when you go to Texas, everyone knows the benefits. Everyone wants one. Uh, if you go to somewhere like Michigan, you work a gun show, half the people you talk to won't even realize they're, they're lawful more or less what the benefits would be and how they would get them. But the, the other thing is, um, you know, like I said, our business model is all about making the process simple. My insight on the consumer is they have so many unanswered questions that they don't really see it as an option for them. I sometimes use the analogy of, you know, if I walked by a Rubik's Cube and it was not solved, I wouldn't pick it up because I know I can't solve it. So it's sort of like out of my head, like that's not an option. And I think a lot of firearms owners are the same way. But once I can sit down with the farms owners and say, hey, we make the process so simple, you can do it from your couch, and then we mail it to your front door, then the obstacle is the time. Well, I don't want to wait that long. And the insight I have there is they don't want to pay up front and wait a year to get it. So if you say, hey, how about I let you pay while you wait, which is what Silencer Central does without any interest or any fees, it lowers that threshold even further. It's like, okay, I can pay 100 bucks a month and and no fees, and when it's approved, you'll mail it to my front door. Yeah. Th- then it lowers that threshold of the time wait. So I think it's a lot of obstacles there, but I think the biggest one, honestly, is just the educational component. Before the Las Vegas shooting happened and suppressors got negative attention wielded towards them due to that horrific shooting, of course, there was momentum, I think, in the legislative body to deregulate them further. I wonder if that would happen going forward. Um, in your estimation, do you do you think it's practical to happen in the coming years? I don't see it immediately in the next two years. Maybe if a new administration comes in, but um, despite some of the negativity and, and perhaps rather the educational efforts on it from companies like yours that would be coming to educate the public about their practicalities, their benefits, their uses, do you see perhaps lawmaking kind of reflect suppressors, a, a rather a positive, uh, let's say, per- perception of them in the future? Yeah. 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 So if you, you know, if I just think historically, since I've been doing this, you know, when I first started, they were illegal in Iowa and South Dakota borders, Iowa. When I first started, they were illegal in Minnesota. There were some states where you couldn't get them unless you had like a, a CNR license, like carry relics dealer license. So I've seen states flip from you can't have them to you can have them. And I have seen where when I first started doing this, most states you couldn't hunt with them. And now 41 of 42. So 41 states where you can legally use a silencer, you can hunt with them. So I've seen a positive transition. You know, I think it still goes back to education. We have um, a lobbying firm in D.C., that we hire and their feedback is that you really need a Senate, a house and a presidency to be all Republican. And you need that to happen and stay in place for greater than two years. So you have an opportunity to educate the elected officials on it. So, um, I, I agree that it's going to be a while before we have that. And I agree it was closer when Trump was in office just because he had the Senate and the House that were both Republican, him obviously being Republican. It just it becomes a hard sell if you don't have some runway, some time to educate them. But 
to go back to more people buying them, I you know my rough math is there's four million out there. There's probably one million people that own them. So as that number gets higher and more people start using them, and to your point, there's very little uh, public safety issue. If you see public safety issues and you drill down into that data, they weren't typically acquired lawfully. They someone made their own suppressor and used it, you know, illegally. So. Um, I, I do think at some point they potentially could become deregulated. The other hard part is, this, you know, the the government uh, makes $200 off every transfer. We're being told by ATF they're expecting 800,000 transfers went into their uh, coffers in 2022. So at $160 million, at some point, it's going to be hard to make that go away. But I'm optimistic that, you know, if it's truly a democracy and the, and the voter wins, at some point the education will be there and it will become deregulated. If I recall correctly, handguns used to be NFA regulated too, right? So you maybe know, there is hope for suppressors too. You know, I so I think it was in the original discussions, and there's some debate that uh, that handguns got switched out with silencers. So originally they made NFA just for machine guns. That's why that $200 tax is equivalent to 100% tax on a machine gun in, in uh, 1934. And I think they talked about putting handguns in there, and someone said that was a negotiation of, well, let's put silencers in instead. So I agree because a lot of, you know, when I interview employees, especially higher level managers, directors, things like that, that's the big question of, oh, what if you get deregulated tomorrow? And, you know, my observation is we're already very highly regulated. I don't know how they can make it any worse. If anything, they would like to move other stuff into the process that's already in place. Uh, I can't see them, you know, trying to make this harder. There's obviously the threat of regulation in the firearms industry at large. And we were talking before going live about kind of some of the threats that may come I wouldn't call it the private sector. I would say it's mostly the politicization of certain people in the private sector, uh, leaning largely on political actors. But banking and worrying about whether or not you can bank with an institution in the future, especially if you're a firearms related or adjacent company, is that something that's on your company's mind or the suppressor sector's mind? Because we start to see banking institutions. There was someone in Florida recently who was denied uh, banking with Wells Fargo personally and for business purposes because they don't like the line of work they're involved in. But do you guys have to worry about that? Is that some concern you have? Yeah, so it affected me personally. Uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation is working on um, you know legislation at a state level in every state and even federally to try to address it. Um, you know, the the hard part is, you know, we talked about earlier about politicians at a state level. I couldn't get our politicians in our state on board with kind of an anti-discrimination law, if you will, against um, uh, firearms manufacturers because banks are so big in South Dakota. But the example you brought up with Wells Fargo happened to me as well. Um, when I first started do, doing this business, I mean, I'm a pharmacist by trade. So my day job before was pharmaceutical industry. And I really did the suppressor silencers on the weekends at gun shows. Uh, when I decided to transition to my first sort of brick and mortar building instead of being just my house and just events, I really needed an opportunity for people to, you know, if they called in, it was it was someone other than my cell phone. I, I bought a building and when I went for um, to get a loan, I had always banked personally and through the business at Wells Fargo. And I went to them and said, hey, I own my house free and clear. There's no loan on it. Um would it be cheaper for me to get um, a home equity loan because then I can write that off my taxes, the interest, or should I get a business loan, uh, like a commercial loan? And, you know, it sort of caught me off guard. They said, we're not going to lend money to you because the word silencer is in your business. I mean, they went as far as to say, do you have other businesses that we can lend through that don't have the word silencer in there? And I'm like, I do, but they don't have revenue coming through. They're more like hold assets or, um, you know, like they hold rental buildings or something like that. So, 
you know, it was a good realization to me. And what's interesting is I, I, I got an email from the National Shooting Sports Foundation asking me would I be willing to testify before the state of South Dakota's Senate committee where they were discussing this bill. And, um, and the anti-discrimination bill was going to be more to just keep businesses from discriminating against um, – keep banks from discriminating against um, firearms manufacturers and dealers. Again, it didn't go very far, but the concern the banks have, and they publicly said it, um, I think it was Citibank or Wells Fargo, it's a reputational risk for them, and they they consider that a risk. So it has impacted me. Um, it I, I ended up having to go to a local bank that um, it's the largest bank in the state, but it's a, a smaller bank. Um, of course, that limits us at some point. If we need larger resources for operating capital, uh, we may struggle because they they probably have a limit as to what they can lend one customer. Um, but no, we feel it personally. I felt it myself. Um, I I've talked to Senator Rounds' office in in D.C. Our senator because he's on the banking committee and he feels like some things are changing there potentially. Um, it's really a decision high up. And what's interesting is I find a lot of these banks. They say it's their shareholders. It's not necessarily the bank themselves. So they're responding to push back from their shareholders. I think it's going to continue to be a thing. I know it's pushed um, by the National Shooting Sports as a big initiative in South Dakota and other states. And um, it's unfortunate because I'm afraid if there's some traction there, then what keeps every business from, you know, cutting me off where I can't work with them? Because most people don't realize I can't advertise on, you know, Google. I can't advertise I uh, can't use PayPal. I can't advertise, um, you know, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. So we're really locked out in a lot of the newer technologies because they won't work with firearms manufacturers. I mean, YouTube, none of the main things that people are gaining, um, you know, me- absorbing media through these days, we're, we're not even at the table. We can't participate. That's very true. And it's, it's really disappointing to see that because these are lawful businesses. You guys want to prevent wrongful use you you preach safety you want people to handle your products correctly you're not in the business of emboldening criminals that's the no. biggest misnomer i've gone to many shot shows i've i've talked to people across the years through different interviews and sit downs i've never seen any trace of willingness to encourage criminality with these products whatsoever everyone upholds safety as the number one degree so yes it's a it's a misunderstanding of what these products are. And I think, well, it's an animus rather uh, towards the industry because of a lack of understanding and just, you know, the money funnels through with a lot of these gun control groups and it extends to suppressors as well. And the hard part is they don't even have anyone on their staff that understands farms. I mean, I used to be a um, like a regional sales manager in New York City and some of my staff out of New Jersey, they're like, how many guns do you own? And at that point, it wasn't that many. And, you know, you, they hear you own 12 guns and they've never even seen a firearm except on a police officer. So they're like, why would you ever need that many firearms? They just don't have. And that's the hard part when talking to these companies, when you say, hey, you pulled down my content on YouTube. The only thing we were doing was screwing a suppressor onto a rifle. Well, that's installation. That's this. That's that. They don't even understand firearms. So they can't even you don't have an advocate. So that it just makes it harder. It really does. And I, I wonder if there will be an effort from some lawmakers. I think Montana's attorney general has uh, sent some letters to Google and YouTube about We're not correct. suppressing content. Yes. And so yes, maybe there will be, yeah, there maybe there will be some effort there to change it. Like I said, if, if the math works better for Congress in the coming year or two, 
Um, Brandon, what are some products that you want my listeners to be aware of that you guys are unveiling this year during the trade show circuit? Uh, SHOT Show is next week. When we're going to be publishing this, you will probably be at SHOT Show. So yep. what can people look forward to um, if you're going to be at SHOT Show and even beyond SHOT Show? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of people, sometimes we were talking earlier, obstacles getting into the whole suppressor um, um, landscape. People are sometimes have this misconception that if, you know, I'm kind of afraid to buy a suppressor because I'm afraid I'll like it. And then I got to get one for every firearm. And typically if I can get in front of someone and say, Hey, there's this thing called a multi-caliber suppressor. And if you get one, that's hundred percent titanium, it doesn't actually add that much weight to the end of the barrel. So you're able to get a, um, you know, say a suppressor for a 30 cal, uh, rifle and then use it on every rifle you own. So you, the Banish 30 is definitely our most popular suppressor. It's modular. So you make it longer or shorter, seven inches or nine inches. And it's hundred percent titanium. So you can put it on the end of a 223 or a 243 or a 65 or a 300 Wind Mag or a 300 Weatherby or a 300 Rum. It just has that flexibility where you can move it to farm to farm to farm to farm. So that's definitely our most popular one for people to look at for multi-caliber functionality. The other probably most popular one we launched a few weeks ago is called a Banished Backcountry. And that was really um, other riders in the industry sort of pushing me to say, hey, you know, if I'm if I'm packing out everything to take into the field and have to spend time, you know, carrying this in a backpack, it's got to it's got to really make up for the weight that I'm having to carry to justify the benefit of the suppression. And we came up with one that's like five and a half inches long and it's uh, 7.8 ounces. A guy quoted the other day that it's actually lighter than a cell phone. It's 100 percent titanium welded together and baffles. It's super quiet, even on a Remington Ultramag, a larger, higher caliber. So it's definitely something to pick up. The goal is to ask to hold one of these and just feel how light weight 100 percent titanium is. Um, you know, that's, that's the biggest ones. I think sometimes people think too, they can't suppress bigger calibers. You know, we have everything from a 50 caliber all the way down to a 22 rim fire. If you're looking to suppress just one specific firearm, uh, even sort of the plug on the pistol side, people are like, well, my barrel's not threaded. Well, you know, we can get you a new drop in barrel that you can screw the suppressor onto. Even with the rifles, you know, we thread barrels here at Silencer Central. So we have a full-time gunsmith that takes the firearm apart. We have a full-time machinist that threads the barrel. So if someone has a rifle that says, ah, I don't, have a way to put that suppressor onto my rifle we send customers an empty gun case it ships to us we thread it and then we ship it right back so our goal is to try to make it easy on any obstacle the, the customer might uh, feel like they're encountering to keep them from wanting to get into the silencer game those sound like great offerings and i'll make sure that people can find you guys at shot show it's pretty easy if you if you're attending shot show I won't be attending this year. Unfortunately, I have too many commitments here at home uh, with with stuff going on in, in D.C. and whatnot in my business. But if you look through the listing of exhibitors, you guys will likely find them there. You guys are going to have a booth front and center at SHOT Show? Good question. So we have a booth at Industry Day at SHOT Show. So that's the day before. So yes. actual so actual SHOT Show, you know, because we sell directly to the consumer. We don't sell to dealers. So we've never had a booth there uh, specifically for people to come up to us because our audience is probably the people listening to your podcast, not the dealers. Wonderful. Brandon, if people want to connect with you and Silencer Central, what can they do? What links can they go to? You know, obviously easily go to silencercentral.com. You know, my bias is if you call us, the phone numbers on the website, you, we just find people get a better experience that, that when we call them after they got their suppressor, the guys that 
called in guys or gals that called in and they make a personal connection with one of our salespeople. They like that. So we got, you know, 30 people here in our call center. That's all they do is hunt outdoors, suppressors, guns, firearms. They know everything really well as far as the process and helping you get set up. It's, it's best to call in, ask whatever questions you have, and then you have a contact throughout the entire process. But, you know, of course, we're on all the social media outlets. But if you just even do a Google search for Silencer Central and, and look for us, we're pretty much here eight to eight every day. Excellent. You have given us a lot of information. I hope my listeners take away what you've said. Maybe they'll check out your products, connect with you guys, and follow up with you more. Brandon, you are a repository of information. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I hope we can interface in the future this year. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks super easy to find. And I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.